0: The Tennis Gambling podcast and the Sports podcast are presented by Winbet. Winbet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. For boosted same game parlays to live in-game mods, Winbet has what you need to win. Bet $100 and get an extra $100 at winbet.com or download the Winbet app and start winning today. State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by the d Dance. Our March Madness bankroll contest is back. Free to enter and $1,000 in cash and prizes up for grabs. Plus, we've got first half under bingo. Enter both contests on the SGPN app. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is currently very early Tuesday morning, March 14th, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again, going solo for this pod. And for today's episode, we do have a fun one. We are going to do a preview of the round of 16 taking place at Indian Wells. So far, so good in the tournament. Been a lot of fun. I know that some matches have kind of dragged on a little bit but you ended up seeing Alcaraz beat Greek Spore in the final match. So we have lines in every match, and now it's time to move on to the actual show. But round of 16, so far, not many upsets per se. A lot of high-quality guys still alive. We're going to see what happens here. I guess the one exception would be, or maybe two exceptions. One would be uh, Garin, who ended up beating Rude. But had a pretty rough year so far. And you've also had... Tabilo, who actually made a decent run there, but he ended up beating Jordan Thompson because Tsitsipas lost after his bye. But we'll go through some of the matches in particular for the round of 32 recap, but I do want to recap how we did on the picks. So I ended up actually giving out two separate locks, and we also gave out a dog. And the only reason why we gave out two locks was because one of them that we gave out was a breaks of serve prop, and I'm aware that wasn't very accessible to some of you. So as a result, I gave out a bonus play, and we ended up sweeping. We went three and zero. We ended up giving out Avashka over half a break of serve at minus one thirty eight. I believe it closed to like plus one twenty five. So a ton of movement came in on the under, and that, that money was just a waste of money because Avashka broke twice. And you also had Avashka team total over five and a half games at minus one forty, and that was our. Uh, pivot play, and that ended up winning as well as Avashka not only went over, but he also won a set. And then our dog was Davidic Fakina on the money line against Kakanov at plus 115. We mentioned that or the over, and we also mentioned Fakina in three and all that cashed. Fakina won in a very stressful match, but he got the job done. So 3-0. Once again, been crushing it lately. Hopefully, we'll keep it rolling. And on top of that, the outrights have done pretty well. Nori is still alive. Kirk has ended up losing for the tournament outright, but realistically, it was a pretty decent 40-to-1 shot based on his overall ranking as he lost to Tommy Paul yesterday. But we have Nori still alive. We have Sinner still alive. And yeah, can't really complain too much uh, hanging in there. Alcaraz has looked good, though, so we'll see if he's going to completely... uh, just ruin our futures and uh, moving forward, but either way, can't complain too much, and time to transition into the actual recap for the matches. So, starting off with the matches that took place on Sunday, you had a couple of interesting ones, mostly uh, competitive matches. You had Medvedev, who got taken to three sets against Devoshka. I was surprised Devoshka won a set, especially with Medvedev being up a set and a break, But Medvedev ended up really having difficulties or issues with the overall court conditions. Uh, He's been complaining about the speed of the courts, which is something that I mentioned after the first day of action, where I said that I was looking at a database to try to find out the speed of the hard courts and try to find comparisons. And the database I looked at claimed that Acapulco was actually slower than the hard courts in Indian Wells, And my main takeaway in day one was that was completely false. Indian Wells looks like it has one of the slowest hard courts out of any single tournament in the ATP level, especially. And Medvedev was complaining about it. He was talking about how he felt like it was basically clay. And it was annoying him. He won the match anyway, ended up winning 6-1 in the third set. But he was complaining about how slow the courts had been playing. And as a result, I do expect Medvedev to potentially struggle moving forward, which is not exactly ideal for our outrights, but it is worth mentioning since he does have a pretty entertaining matchup against Zverev coming up in the round of 16. Besides that, though, Nori came back and won in three against Taro Daniel competitive match, uh, but Nori eventually was a little bit too good with the return games, and he was able to constantly break down the stretch as he ended up winning that final set 6-2 easily. You had Green, who ended up beating Rude. Green's looked really good in this event, and even through qualifying, he has not dropped a set, and I do think that's definitely worth noting because he's been very aggressive, whether it comes to his serving or just his actual coming to the net, which is really what destroyed rude with the fact that rude we know is a pretty deep returner stands all the way back on the court and you saw green constantly throwing some serve and volley tactics and he was very effective with it and he ended up winning that match in straight sets zverev won a thriller against Rusevori. Rusevori had a break point there and Kind of overcooked the volley a little bit, made it pretty easy for a passing shot for Zverev, and then Zverev broke him the next game as Zverev won 7 5 in the third. I mentioned the Fakina match. That was a war. Wasn't exactly surprised. Fakina choked serving for the match, and then he ended up breaking immediately after, and he won the final set 6 4. Uh, besides that, nothing really more to add. You had Tiafos like really good. I thought he'd beat Kubor in straight sets. Don't really have much more to add there. And then moving on to the Monday matches, you ended up having Felix struggle a bit, but he won in straight sets against Sorondolo. Tommy Paul beat Herkaz. Very entertaining match, but Paul has shown really just no ill effects, Ill effects from the Acapulco tournament, which took a lot out of him physically. But Paul looks good, and he beat Hercas there. Warenka had the thrilling upset against Rune, which I forgot to mention earlier. But Warenka almost choked away the entire thing because Warenka won the first set 6-2. Then he was up in the second set. He broke to love. Rune looked like he was cooked physically. And then Warenka had a match point. He, while serving for the match at 5-4, he choked it, then got broken. Then he was up 5-2 in the second set tiebreaker and proceeded to lose the next five points in the tiebreaker to lose the set. And then he ended up breaking at 5-5 to go up 6-5 and he held at 6-5. And then there was some type of verbal altercation at the net between Warenka and Rune because for backstory, Warenka's told Rune to stop making so much noise and stop complaining all the time. And Rune kind of like threw it back at him this time around where he said, you have nothing to say now or something like that. But I mean, I don't really know what Rune's point is. You lost to a past prime Warrenka. Congratulations, I guess. Do you want a medal or something? I don't really understand why he thought it was the right time to say something to Warenka, but whatever. I guess Rune wanted to get a dig in. But it wasn't much of a dig because Warrenka just beat him in the tournament. So I don't know what his point was. But either way, Rune has been known to complain a lot. And I feel like a lot of tennis fans have noticed it and they find him a bit of a whiner and a bit of a complainer, and maybe a little bit immature. And he didn't exactly help his case there. But nice win by Warrenka. Uh Fritz killed Baez, didn't really expect anything else. Baez isn't a great hardcore player. I thought it was good enough to be Hitchikata, but once again, that's not exactly a high ceiling. And Fritz has the good serve and with the height advantage and the height disadvantage for... Uh, Baez couldn't return a serve. I mean, we're going to see Fritz run a bunch of kicks. He's going to hit a pretty powerful serve. And at that point, it was pretty impossible for Baez to actually break serve. Menorino ended up losing to Sinner in straight sets to keep the outright alive. Was competitive. Sinner did win 7-6-6-4. I don't believe Sinner faced a break point in the entire match. uh, Just confirming that, he did not. Uh, He was really just cruising in a lot of service games and a pretty fun side note or a side story that came out uh, yesterday was Manorino finding out who his opponent was. Apparently Manorino prefers, to not know who his opponent's going to be until roughly 10 minutes before the match, which I find fascinating in general. I guess it doesn't matter for Manorino because he's going to play a, He's going to play the exact same style every time. He's in it flat strokes. He's going to try to make extremely long points and he's going to try to wear it in his opponents. So I'm not sure if it really matters who he plays against, but Manorino really likes to be kept in the dark about who he's playing against until... About 10 minutes before game, before match time. The reason why I bring it up is because Manorino was signing autographs, I believe, early Monday morning or maybe early Monday afternoon. And I think it was Monday morning. And he maybe just finished a practice uh, session or he was walking around and some kid walked up to him because he recognized Manorino. And he asked Manorino for an autograph and or a picture and Manorino gave it to him. And the kid told Manorino, Good luck against Sinner today. And according to some reports, Manorino was pissed because he found out who he was playing. And I just thought that was kind of a funny side note there. But yeah, Manorino was a little bit distraught that a kid told him who's who he was playing against before, uh, you know, a couple hours before his match. I didn't know Manorino had a thing like that, but I thought it was a pretty funny story, and I felt like sharing it. So that was an interesting little side story there about Manorino, but Sinner won in straight sets. You had Draper who won in straight sets against Murray. I wasn't surprised. That was the runner-up play for the lock or the bonus lock there in the Ivashka match. I thought Draper was going to win. Murray looked good in the first round or two, but Echeverry gave him a run for his money, and Albert was only there because Krenyabusta ended up dropping Alba's not a great player by any means, but Draper's looked really good in this event, and Draper won a marathon first set, and Murray was not able to climb out of the abyss as Draper won in straight sets, and Alcaraz, as I said before, won in straight sets, competitive, but got the job done. Crazy amount of wind in that match, uh, so there was a bit of a difficult little condition uh weather condition situation for both guys, but Alcaraz handled it better and you ended up seeing him win in straight sets, but that's going to recap. That's going to finish the recap there for the round of 32. So getting into the actual matches for Tuesday. Now you officially have no days off. They're going to be playing every day. So keep an eye on potential fatigue, but to go through the matches, uh, some of them now, I believe we have lines and everything. So starting off with the chronological order, we're going to start off with the Davidish Fakina and Gareen match. And to go through the actual prices there, you have Gareen, who's an underdog here. Davidish Fakina is roughly minus two and a half games as a favorite at around minus 140. The over under is around 22 and a half, 21 and a half. Sorry. So uh, just to go through the lines, I uh, actually was reading some alternative lines. Uh, Fakina is minus three and a half on the spread, minus 110. Gareen is plus three and a half games. Uh, Fakina is minus 210 on the money line. Green is plus 180. Over under is 21 and a half games. The over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. If you want to go for some alt lines, you can get the 22 and a half games at plus 110, and you can get the sets. The over two and a half is at plus 140. Uh, besides that, Green to win a set is minus 155. So to go through the head to head, Between these players, it has been competitive. They've played twice, one time in clay, in Santiago, actually, back in 2020, and they play it in Antwerp on hardcore in 2021. Both matches went three sets and they split, but Fakina did win the hardcore match in Antwerp 6 3 6 3 in the final two sets. But to go through my thoughts for this match, I do like Gareen. I think there's value on him. Fakina, even though we backed him to win his last match against Kakanov, that was mostly because Kakanov was not exactly playing great tennis since the Australian Open, and Fakina made it stressful like he always does, but Gareen once again has not dropped the set he's looked really good especially with the serve and i do think that he's capable of pulling off the upset especially at plus 180 now i do think there's also value on the over two and a half sets i think green will lose a set here because fakina has been playing very well but i've seen fakina self-destruct too much with the serve and with the unforced errors and i do think that could could come back to bite him over the course of this match in the long term so i'm gonna go with the dog here I'm going to go with green, plus three and a half games. uh, The money line at plus 180. And I would also look at the over two and a half sets at plus 140. Or if you want to play it safe, take the over in games at 21 and a half games at minus 115. Now moving on to the second match, you have Medvedev taking on Zverev. It is a very competitive head-to-head. And if you want to actually look at the head-to-head, it is basically dead even. Uh, To look at the numbers, including the... Head to head, it is once again basically a coin flip, historically speaking. Now to go through the twelve head to head meetings, not including the exhibition they had, uh, it is six six. And Medvedev has done well lately. Medvedev has won five of the last six meetings, but Zverev did beat him in the ATP final in uh, in the just yeah the uh, Nitto ATP finals in twenty twenty one. Zverev won in the final six four six four, but they played in the round robin of that event earlier the same year, and Medvedev won in three sets. Medvedev also won in the Masters of 1000 in Paris in 2021, uh, 6-2, 6-2. They played in the ATP Cup in the semis. Medvedev won that one in three. They played in the ATP Finals once again in Great Britain in 2020. Medvedev won in straight sets. Played in Masters of 1000 again in 2020. Medvedev won in three. So the point is, it's very competitive. It's 6-6, six, six, but even in those 5 out of 6, uh, so Mivid has 5-1 and one in the last 6, but in those matches, three of them have gone to three sets, and I think you'll end up seeing a bit of a coin flip match here, especially with how much Mivid has complained about the lack of speed with the courts. I think Zverev is quite live here. Do I think he's going to win? No. I still don't trust Zverev's second serve enough, and I think that eventually the serve is going to let him down, plus I thought he looked fine against Rusevori. Rusevori is also a pretty volatile player with the unforced errors. And I mentioned before the underwhelming volley at the net. Rusevori had a good chance to win that match. And Zverev was a bit lucky to escape it. I think that you're going to end up seeing Medvedev win... But I do think you'll end up seeing Zverev keep it very competitive. Maybe the over two and a half sets here, which I think is potentially worth a look. You can find that currently available at around plus 160, which I think has a good price to it. But I do think Medvedev going to win, but I think it'll be competitive. If you want to go for the breaks of serve prob Medvedev over, uh, sorry, Zverev over one and a half breaks of serve is minus 120. So unfortunately, we could not get the Avashka half a break, which would have just been a solid play automatically, even if it was minus 175 for Zverev. So he's got to break twice, but historically speaking, he has generated pressure in Medvedev service games. And I do think Zverev can elongate some points and let Medvedev struggle once again with the court conditions. And I think that Zverev could break a couple of times. So I do like the over one breaks of serve in that one. And I do like the over in the match, but I would lean to Medvedev to win it. I think Zverev though keeps it close and i think Medvedev potentially wins in 3. But moving on to the third match, by the way, i didn't mention we'll cover all the matches because uh there's not many to go through. We have 8, which is definitely doable, so we're going to go through all of them. We're not going to pick and choose. Moving on to the third match of Rublev against Nori and in the head-to-head Rublev has done well. Rublev is 2 and 1 in the head-to-head. Uh looking at the recent meeting in last year's Australian and last year's a uh, U- sorry, um it was yeah, last year's US Open. Uh, Rublev won in straight sets, 6'4, 6'4, 6'4. For this match, I'm gonna lean to Rublev, and I hope I'm wrong because I have Nori to win the quarter. I mentioned him as an outright, and I even shared on the Discord, I have him in a two-pick uh future parlay. Nori to win the quarter and center to win the quarter. And that is I forgot what it was, like 50 bucks to win about twelve hundred. I think. So I have I have the ticket. I have a screenshot for it. I just don't have it in front of me. But the point is, I do and I do. Th- want Nori to win, but I think Rublev has looked like the better player so far in this event. Now, Rublev has gone off to some slow starts, uh, ended up trailing early on against Umber, but came back and won the first at 7-5, beat Leshika 6-4, 6-2. He made the final in Dubai. It seems like he's really not having any issues with his fatigue, which is a bit surprising based on how much tennis he's played lately. Nori, though, I mentioned had a war with Taro Daniel. And I'm concerned about Nori's serve because it's not very good. I mentioned it in the past and Tyro Daniel broke him four times. Now, I believe he only had five break points the entire match and Nori failed to hold off the break points four out of five times, which isn't exactly ideal. But the point is, he was vulnerable and Rublev has had a bunch of success against Nori's serve. He's had at least nine break point chances in each of the three head-to-head meetings. Now, one of them was the U.S. Open, so there was an extra set involved. But the point is, you're sorry, he's had at least eight break point chances in all three head-to-head matches. But the point is, I think that Nori going to struggle with the serve, and I think that you'll see Rublev potentially break him. I believe Rublev was over, I'm trying to think if it was, t- I think it was two and a half breaks of serve at minus 138. I like the over on that one. Uh, the full match breaks of serve is four and a half combined at minus 125. I don't mind the over there either, but I do think Rublev's going to break him a couple of times. And I think that Nori, despite being the guy that we picked to make it out of the quarter, it looks better now because Sitsipas is out. But the point is, I do think you'll end up seeing Rublev win the match. And I think that there might be some value at minus 140. Nori could win it if Rublev's strokes self-destruct and if he gets a bunch of unforced errors and if he falls behind early. But I have not been impressed with the serve, especially with the windy conditions. And I think Rublev can hit through those conditions. And I think he'll be able to win this match. So against our futures, I will lean to Rublev on the money line at around minus 140. Uh, if you want to take the spread of minus one and a half games mine, one, at minus 115, I wouldn't hate that either. For the total, it's around 22 and a half games. The overs minus 115. The unders minus 105. I will not have a play on that because I do think Rublev could win in straight sets. So I'm going to pass. But I will link to Rublev on the money line at minus 140. Now moving on to the uh fourth match you have fritz taking on fuksovix fritz had basically a bye against Bayez he absolutely crushed him and fuksovix looked good he ended up beating wolf in the first round in three sets with the over two and a half sets on that one beat deminor and a very impressive six four six two win and beat mulcan six four six two the mulcan win don't get me wrong you're playing the guy that's on the schedule but Overall, I wasn't overly impressed by the win because I don't think Molkan's very good on hard court. But once again, not Fuksovic's fault. He's got to beat whoever's in front of him. But I think Fritz is a massive step up in competition. And I do think that his serve is going to be a lot more difficult to break through uh, compared to Molkan, who is a pretty average at best server. But Fritz is a pretty hefty favorite here. And I might be putting that a bit mildly. But to look at the actual lines here... For Fritz, Fritz is minus 450 uh, and Fuchsowicz is around plus 333 the other way uh, for the match to go three sets. It's plus 150. If you want to look at, I'm um, sorry, I'm trying to find two nothing. Fritz, Fritz two nothing is minus 138. Uh, I probably would be tempted by that because Fritz has looked very good and he's the defending champion here. The thing is, do I think Fuchsowicz's serve is good enough to hold on a regular basis against Fritz and to potentially win a breaker. I'm not sure about that. I do like Fuksovics as a player, though. I think he's underrated, and the issue with him has mostly been injuries, which have kind of kept him out of the top 50 on a regular basis. But when Fuksovics is on, I think he's definitely a top 50 caliber player, probably top 40 caliber player. But I do think Fritz is going to win, and I think he'll probably win in straight sets. I'd lean to the two and a half and minus 138, but I really don't see much value on this match. But probably leaning Fritz 2 nothing. And I think that he'll win this match, probably 6-4-6-4. 6-4. But moving on to the next match, we have uh, Tiafo taking on Tabilo. Uh, Tiafo is 1-0 in the head-to-head. They played a Newport back in 2020 on hardcore. Tiafo smacked him 6-4-6-2. Tiafo's a good in this event, simply put. Uh, he ended up not having to play doubles because he uh, ended up skipping since Warenka had the singles match and Warenka wanted to conserve his energy. So Tiafo was supposed to play doubles, but it ended up dropping the doubles because of Warrenka. Makes sense Warenka just had a three-set marathon against Rune, but Tiafo's extra rest time because of it. Beat Kubler in straight sets and beat Giron in straight sets. Tabilo though has beaten some pretty decent competition in qualifying. He had to beat O'Connell who we saw take Medvedev to three sets, won that one competitively 7-5 in the third. Beat a couple other qualifiers, then beat Cressy 7676. Uh overall, nice win for him. Thrilling tie break, 28 points in that breaker, but ended up beating Thompson in the next round 6-3-7-6. Good win. Got lucky. He was able to dodge sixty Poss, but still can't fault him for it. Has to beat the guy that's in front of him. And Thompson was playing well leading up to that match, and Tabilo beat him. I'm going to go with Tiafo here, though. I do think Tiafo is the better player and he's looked very sharp. The issue is trying to find value because Tiafo is minus four and a half games at plus 105 and the over-under is 21 and a half at minus 115. If you want to go for alternatives, you could get Tiafo minus three and a half games at minus 155 and if you want to go for an alternative over under, the over 20 and a half games is minus 135 and the under is plus 105. I think Tiafo's is going to win in straight sets. Uh, it's minus 140, so I'm not sure if there's much value on it, but I think Tiafo is the better player. I think he's a better mover. Tabilo is a decent server, but I do think that Tiafo is just the better player, and he's also very good in tiebreaks, and I think they could pay dividends. I know that Tabilo is undefeated in breakers in this event, beating Cressy twice and beating Thompson, but I do think Tiafo, with the crowd behind him, with him being American, that might be enough to push him over the top, and I will go with Tiafo to probably win that one in straight sets, but I will lean to the spread minus three and a half games as well. But I'm not going to bet anything on it. Tiafo is still too much of a head case for me. But based on the level of player, I think Tiafo should, keyword should, win in straight sets. Now moving on to the Alcaraz and Draper match. Alcaraz is minus 350 on the money line. Draper's around plus 275. Alcaraz to win in straight sets is minus 120. To look at the head-to-head between these two young players, they actually do have a head-to-head match which Alcaraz ended up winning it was late in 2022 in Basel and Alcaraz won in three sets actually came back from a set down and won 7-5 in the third for me I'm actually gonna link to Draper here I think Alcaraz will probably win the match but I see a pretty similar story to the match that we saw in 2022 I see a very competitive match you also have Alcaraz who played the late match so he's actually in a bit of a disadvantage here because Draper played earlier against Murray he had a couple extra hours to potentially rest compared to Alcaraz who was coming back off of injury he looked good against Greek sport with the weather concerns but I have to at least point out that Draper has looked dominant so far in this match and I do think you'll end up seeing Draper have moments where he could win a set or maybe even two and win the match but I do think at the end of the day, you're going to end up seeing Draper really, really battle here. And I'm trying to see if I could find a game line right now. As far as I can tell, I don't see a game line, which is kind of annoying. But I'm trying to see if I could find one. Um, Do I see anything for games? I see Draper for a game total. Of around 10 and a half, I believe is the number that I see. So I do think at the end of the day, you you will see Draper potentially go to a breaker in this match. Wouldn't totally shock me. But I think that Draper is quite live to win this match. But Alcaraz probably takes it. I don't see a game line on it though, but based on where the money line is, compared to uh I'm trying to just compare where the other money lines are. For example, Tiafo's minus 400. That three-and-a-half game line is minus 155. So based on that, I'm assuming Alcaraz minus 350. It'll be three-and-a-half games of probably minus 130, minus 135, give or take. I'm assuming that'll, that'll be where the game will the game line is, and the total should be around 21 or 22-and-a-half. But I'm going to go with Draper uh, to keep this match close. I like how he's played. He's also a lefty, which might be a bit of a different look there for alcaraz to deal with but i think at the end of the day you will see alcaraz win a very competitive match potentially a war and i think you'll end up seeing uh potentially a three setter so i'll lean to the over and i will lean to draper plus the games i think he's going to make this match very competitive so that might be the must watch match of the day besides the medvedev zverev match which is one of the early matches which i find kind of interesting but still Moving on and looking at the next match, you have a matchup between Sinner and Warenka. Now, Sinner is a big favorite. He's around minus 400. And to look at the straight set price here for Sinner, it's going to be a decent minus because he's minus 400 to win the thing. Uh, But at the end of the day, I think it's probably worth it. So Sinner is minus 400 in the money line, like I said before. For him to win in straight sets, it is minus 125. I am a big fan of that price. I think that Sinner probably wins this one in straight sets. Sinner and Orenka played yesterday is significantly older, and he also played a lot longer. He played roughly one hour extra compared to Sinner's match against Manorino. They also just played in Rotterdam, and Sinner beat the crap out of him, 1-6-1-6-3. Six, six, uh, they did play in Wimbledon. Sinner beat him in four sets, but that doesn't mean anything to me because it's grass, and has never exactly been a great grass court player. But the point is they played a couple of weeks ago in Rotterdam, basically a month ago and Sinner destroyed him, and even though Warenka has looked good on this particular hard court with Indian Wells playing slower, the issue is he's older and he's played a bunch of close matches. He went three sets against Vukic, ended up going to a long two sets against Kekmanovic, 7-6-6-4, and had the war match against Rune. I think he's going to be gassed for this match. Maybe he gets off to a hot start, but Sinner just beat him comfortably in the head-to-head, and he didn't face a single break point against Manerino. Manorino. I'll go with Sinner and straight sets here at -125. I think Wawrinka is going to run out of gas at some point in this match and Sinner is going to be able to showcase his elite level of conditioning. It's not the same level as like an Alcaraz or, you know, a Djokovic, etc., but it's up there. And I think that Orenka is potentially going to gas himself out midway through the first or second set. So give me center in straight sets. And last but not least, you have Tommy Paul taking on Felix Auger-Aliassime. So for this match, Tommy Paul is a bit of a surprising favorite here at minus 124. Felix is plus 104 the other way. The game spread is minus half a game for Paul and it's plus a half for Felix, roughly minus one ten apiece. And the over-under, I see 23 and a half games. The over is plus one oh eight. Now to look at the head to head between these players, you have nothing to talk about because there are there is no head to head. I will go with Tommy Paul. Win the match though. Felix has been getting by. He has not looked very good. He went up against Pedro Martinez 17664. Went up against Serundolo 17564. Both of those guys are mostly clay players. Sarandolo, I'm not going to call a clay court specialist, but I do think he's definitely is at his best on clay. And uh, Martinez is the same way. But Paul just beat Herquez. He beat Struff in straight sets. Two pretty good servers. I think he'll be able to beat Felix. Felix had some serious double fault issues in that uh, second set against Sarandolo. And to go through that, he had eight double faults. I think that's definitely a concern. Sarandolo broke him him four times. And I think that you'll see Paul constantly get involved in some break into some service games. I think he'll be able to break a couple of times. And I do think that Felix's unforced errors might be his undoing, especially if it's going to be windy like it was in the Tuesday match, in the uh, Monday matches. But give me Paul. To win that one. He's gonna have the home crowd behind him being American. And I think that bodes well for him. And I think you'll probably end up seeing a bit of a marathon match. I would go with the over two and a half sets there, which you could find at plus one twenty. Not exactly great value for that one, but I do think it'll probably go three. But I would lean to Paul to get the job done. Uh that's gonna wrap it up though for the actual episode breakdowns, but it is time before we get into the lock and dog to have another word from our sponsors. WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Game Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, including Massachusetts, which is something new. Plus, they also have March Madness Bets, which is going to be starting Today, because you have the playing games, you have the first four, and with March Madness, there's a bunch of ways to bet on it. Plus, you can sign up today to receive a special offer, bet $100, and get an extra $100, limited state availability. And of course, for DGENs only, if you hit the biggest long-shot parlay of the week, you get a $1,000 free credit. So I'm going to choose from All you have to do is head over to sportscampodcast.com or download the WinBet app. All for subject change, serving conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play-through is available. If you're some somebody who knows a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We're also brought to you by the DGen Dance, which is the SGPN March Madness Bankroll Contest, which is officially back in action. Free to enter. And it is $1,000 in cash and prizes, which are up for grabs. Plus, we've got first half under bingo, where you could win an SGPN gift card. Enter both contests on the SGPN app. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is heating up for March Madness. College Pick'em is a great way to get in on the action, especially if your bracket is busted after day one. Let's be real, we've all been there before. Plus, Underdog Fantasy has your favorite college basketball player props. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. It's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing all of the round of 16 matches in Indian Wells taking place on Tuesday. But it is time to get into our uh, favorite plays for the show in the Lock and Dog segment. We're off of a rare three-pick sweep, so hopefully we'll be able to sweep the board once again. So starting off with the lock, I had a couple of options. With one particular match, I thought about maybe going back to the well and taking Zverev over one and a half breaks against Medvedev, which I still like at minus 120. But I feel a little bit bad about taking breaks of serve props consistently since some of you might not have that available because it's not available in every book. So once again, it depends on if your state actually has the book uh, available for you. So I'm not going to pick it every time, but it is definitely a nice extra piece of, my, of betting that I'm going to add to my arsenal because it is nice to have breaks of serve props on every match moving forward instead of just having the select matches in the semis and the finals of tournaments. But for that reason, I'm going to stay away from the breaks of serve. I do like Zverev over and I do like Rublev over. So that's kind of my two leans for the breaks of serve. But I'm going to go with something more accessible for all of you. I'm going to go with Rublev on the money line at minus 140 in his match against Nori. Simply put, first of all, once again, I hope I'm wrong because I have Nori to win the quarter and I've given that out. I have him to win the tournament. Probably not going to happen, but it was 40 to one. So I gave it a shot. But the point is, I think Ruble is the better player and I think he's in better form. Nori, Came back off of a very successful clay court season, and he took Acapulco off. Wasn't exactly surprising, but since he showed up at this event, he's been okay. Once again, Taro Daniel gave him a run for his money, and he won in his first round match against a guy that he was kind of fortunate to play because Bublik ended up losing in the first round. I think he would have beaten Bublik anyway, but the point is he beat a relative unknown and then beat Daniel in three sets. Wasn't exactly impressed with his serve. Got better as the match went on, but I really just think Taro Daniel ran out of gas. Meanwhile, Rublev has played some great tennis lately, made the final in Dubai before losing to Medvedev. No shame in that. But he beat Leshika in straight sets, beat Umber in straight sets. I just think he's in better form. We also saw him destroy Nori in the U.S. Open where he beat him 6-4, 6-4, 6-4. I just think he's the better player, and I think that with the wind potentially being a factor, I think Rublev's power will be able to do more damage, and I think that Rublev's serve is going to be able to allow him to hold more regularly than Nori. I mentioned the over two and a half breaks for Rublev because I think that he's going to be able to pressure Nori a lot in Nori service games, and I think as a result, Rublev should end up winning this match. So give me Rublev on the money line at minus 140 as my lock. And for my dog, I have a couple of options here and they're going to be in the same match. The question is, how do I want to do it? Do I want to go with the over two and a half sets? Do I want to go with the money line? Do I want to go with an alternative game spread here? It's in the Gareen-Fakina match. At this point, we've taken Fakina in every single lock and dog segment for this tournament, and it's kind of a running joke, but we've split, but we're we're still up because Fakina was a dog at plus 115 when he beat Kakanov. I really think Gareen's alive here. Do I think... That it's going three sets. Do I think Green can win in two sets? In theory, it's possible. You know what? I'm just going to go down swinging. I wanted to go with the over two and a half sets of plus 140. But I actually like Green in this match. I like how he's played. I think that he's been able to serve very well. He sprinkled in some volleys, which have definitely allowed him to shorten some points. And he's become that qualifier we see in every event who has looked very, very comfortable in this particular environment. And there's some value back in those guys. And we saw it even in Santiago. We saw Jari won the event. I know it was Clay, but we took a long shot on Hoffman, who went through qualifying without dropping a set. And Hoffman had Jari on the ropes. And Jari eventually won that match, won the tournament. But there is some vi- some value on the qualifiers who have looked very good. And Fakina looked good against Yibing. But Kakanov definitely showed that Fakina's is going to blink if the opportunity is there. And Gareen is playing some of the best tennis I've seen him play in a while. So you know what? I will go down swinging. If you want to play it safe, you can take the over two and a half sets. Because I think this will be a long match. But I will go with Gareen on the money line at plus 180 against Fakina. We'll see what happens. If Fakina if wins in three sets, I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to tell you that right now. But I do think there's value on Gareen. And I do like the way that he's played. Well, I think Fakina has been a little bit vulnerable. So once again, the lock and dog picks for the show, the lock is going to be Rublev on the money line at minus 140. And the dog is going to be green on the money line at plus 180. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. We're back once again tomorrow to go through the quarterfinals, but you can find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. You can also find me on the NBA show, which I will be on once again on Tuesday. Also going to be doing a live stream for the NFL Gambling Podcast with Terrell. Going to be doing a mock draft. We're doing a two-part mock draft. We're going to be doing picks 1 through 16 of on Tuesday. And then we'll do one either later in the week or early next week for pick 17 onward of the first round. But until then, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.